Well, happy almost the end of April, church. I hope you had a, a good week, and it's good to uh, be able to worship together uh, our Lord in our respective homes. And once again, we welcome you to our Sunday service. Uh, before we go into the message, again, just want to highlight a few things. Uh, there's been a lot of talks, hey, when are we going to meet again? Uh, we're basically going according to what our county is telling us, just to follow protocol and just to make sure, um, you know, uh, we're caring for the health of one another and for our neighbors. And so recently, uh, we've been told May 15th uh, is when it's extended until. And so uh, we won't be meeting uh, till then, um, but uh, we have means of uh, having worship service together online, as well as our mini community group and our uh, Wednesday night prayers. Uh, so please do join us for that. And uh, more information on those things you can find uh, online uh, through your CGs as well as your Harvest newsletter. Uh, just want to highlight just one uh, announcement is our after service Q&A uh, this afternoon at 1 o'clock. And as we tackle some of these passages in Exodus, I think more questions will come up. And so we definitely want to uh, really talk together, dialogue, and have discuss discussion. Uh, so that URL uh, is tinyurl.com slash LF after service. Uh, so from 1 to about 2 p.m., uh, just join us uh, when you can. And we'd love to dialogue about the passage as well as the sermon. Uh, before we go into a time of worship, uh, let's take a few moments to uh, uh, prepare our hearts. Uh, praise the Lord that He's a God who reveals Himself and wants us to know more of Him. And this morning as we worship, I believe that is what God wants us to do. He wants our attention and He wants to uh, really show His heart uh, and His power and might. And so to that end, let's pray. God, may my heart, may our uh, hearts, ears, eyes, may our neighbors, may our uh, brothers and sisters who are worshiping at home uh, be tuned uh, to your word and your heart, Lord. So let's pray like that together. Father, we thank you once again for another new day, uh, an opportunity for us to rest on the Sabbath, and God, to be able to spend time in your word and prayer and offering and devotion to you. And, and Lord, uh, as the psalmist says, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Uh, God, in the midst of all that's going on, uh, Lord, we need your word, uh, we need you. Uh, so, Spirit, would you work and move, um, and move mightily uh, amongst the, each and every family and members, uh, especially that are in tune worshiping you this morning. Uh, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
As we continue on in the book of Exodus, today we'll kind of zoom in in the life of Moses. And the sermon title today is Confessions of a Reluctant Leader. Uh, when we think about Moses, we, we think of, you know, the man who uh, God used uh, to let my people go, right? Split the Red Sea, uh, done, uh, de- um, rescued um, millions uh, of Israelites out of um, Egypt into the Promised Land and uh, done mighty things in the wilderness. Uh, but in today's passage, we'll see uh, that even those who we highly esteem uh, have had uh, their times of past failures and disappointments. Um, uh, maybe someone that we can think of even today, uh, just recently there was a documentary on Michael Jordan, uh, but we see him, uh, even though you may not know basketball too well, most people know who Michael Jordan is, right? The GOAT, right? Uh, but he says this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost more than 300 games. Uh, 26 times I've entrusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Uh, you know he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Uh, and his stats include 6,672 rebounds, 5,633 assists, 32,292 uh, 32, total points. Uh, I, I don't know who keeps these tracks, but it's, it's incredible, right? So nonetheless, he's a great athlete, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise to us that those who succeed are oftentimes the ones who've failed and failed again. Uh, and in Christian life, well, we look at people who we uh, are our mentors, uh, who we think are godly men and godly women. Uh, oftentimes when you ask them about their stories of their lives, uh, they've gone through rough patches, uh, difficult moments, doubt, fear. Uh, right? Also to say, uh, we're very humbled uh, by their honesty, uh, but really humbled by the grace that God continues to carry out men and women uh, to bring them to a place of godliness, of, of discipline, uh, of courage and strength, uh, especially when we look at the life of Paul. You know, Paul is one of those guys where, man, you know, started churches, uh, was a missionary after Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, in the New Living Translation, he says this, But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results, for I have worked harder than any of any of than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by His grace. Uh, we often forget it's not really about the man or woman that we see uh, in the front, but it, it really is about the God behind the man and the woman. And in today's passage, as we see God's continued dealings with this man named Moses, uh, I pray and hope that we can see. Uh, how God moves and works in Moses' life, and that you and I would find courage and strength in our lives as we see this God who calls Moses despite Moses' tireless excuses and reluctance. So as we go into the uh, passage, let's look at, so what are some of these excuses that we see in this uh, man of God? Excuse number one, worries, worries. So let's read Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. When, uh, then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. 
And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and, then, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Again, chapter uh, 4 is a continuation of a dialogue that we left off last week. Right? God gets Moses' attention to the burning bush, reveals who he is, his character, his name. He's holy, and he is the great I Am. And here, he continues to uh, talk to Moses in his commission, Moses' call, where he'll be the human deliverer uh, who will save Israel from slavery, from Egypt, to the promised land. And when he's given this call, Moses, he shows a bit of reluctance. Why? Uh, he's worried. He's worried. Uh, from what Moses see, uh, says, uh, we can see what he is doing. Uh, a lot of Exodus, we got to really pay attention to what they say. Uh, because oftentimes the, the author doesn't tell us what's going on. He shows more than telling. So in this scene, we notice that Moses is worried. And we can observe his worrying even before what we read in this passage. Just a little before in chapter 3, verse 13, uh, this is what Moses says to God. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Uh, one uh, Bible commentary says this, that Moses is worrying that something might happen that he doesn't hear what God says will happen. Uh, because in verses 18 through 22 of that chapter, chapter 3, God explains to Moses that the people will indeed listen to him, that they will go together to Pharaoh. In fact, he even tells that Pharaoh will eventually not let them go. You know, oftentimes worrying can blind us from what we have right in front of our eyes. Or in Moses' case, worry can dull one's hearing, so that one does not hear what someone speaks directly to them. Uh, in this passage we just read today, Moses worries and doubts the people's reception of him. Why? Well, he had a past, remember? Uh, if we look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, uh, there's an incident where one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean, do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So, you can't really blame a brother from uh, feeling reluctant 
or showing some sense of worries. In fact, the task that was before him was quite daunting. You know, imagine God appearing to you and telling you to go to a country far away, uh, to a place where it's, there's a lot of oppression, and tells him, hey, you're going to free all the underground church, uh, the Christians who are in hiding. You're going to go to their, uh, the leader, and you're going to free them. You're going to tell them God says let them go. What would you think? What would be going on in your mind? Not only was it daunting, it was weighty. He would deliver all these people out of Egypt into Canaan. But he, this, what also didn't help is this. He had a past, and his memory of the past kind of weighed, hard on, weighed, hard, weighed heavy on his heart. So again, if we put ourselves in Moses' shoes, I think we would all worry too. Uh, but we don't have to put ourselves in Moses' shoes, do we, brothers and sisters, too? understand the, the burden of worries. Uh, worry can be quite crippling. And that's not to say all worry is bad worry. You know, if you're worried about you know, waking up late, uh, it's good, right? It makes you set an alarm. But here, this type of worry is one that f- makes Moses forget something, uh, makes Moses not see someone. Worrying made Moses reluctant to walk in obedience to God's call in his life. And the worrying can have the same effect in my life and your life as well. Uh, It can become an excuse for for us from joining God's call. Uh, In fact, worries can also blind us to God's call in our lives. Uh, One illustration uh, mentions that, uh, actually this was an article. The article was entitled, The Fog of Worry. Uh, quote, only 8% of worries are worth it, he said. Uh, but written by Earl Nightingale. And he, they use an illustration of a dense fog. Usually fogs, you know, cover like several blocks, right? They say a dense fog covering up to seven city blocks to a depth of 100 feet. If you're able to put that, just condense all of that into a cup, uh, it, it wouldn't even be a full single cup of water. Not even, a cu- it would fill the whole thing. So all to say is, it seems when the fog is there, it's, it, it's affecting a lot, right? We can't see. But also say, when you just condense it, it's not really much. Uh, and that article, it continues on say that oftentimes 40% of the things that we worry about never actually even happen. 30% are worries that you really can't do anything about. You can't change, you can't affect it. Oftentimes, 22 per, uh, and 22% are usually just petty worries that we have in life. And the legitimate things that we can actually do something about and should do something about is about 8%. Uh, don't ask me how they calculated this. I was fascinated trying to figure out how they did that. But if we think about it, just even on our daily lives, we have a lot of worries in our lives. But how much of that really affects us? How much of that really uh, can we do something about? How much of those really are, is it important? You know, we know it's not 100% for sure. So as, as we see in, in this reluctant leader, uh, Moses is very real too, right? He, he faces worries. But how is it that God responds despite Moses uh, having the sense of worry? Well, he gives several signs to show exactly who he is and what Moses would do in front of the Israel people. 
So the first sign is that he turns Moses' staff, a shepherd's staff, into a serpent. Right? It's, it's pretty funny. Like when that happens, Moses runs away. You know? uh, out of all the different signs God could have done, there's there must be a specific reason why God did this. And I think there's a couple of things we can see from this. Uh, God shows us that he uses something very ordinary. In the case for Moses, his staff, probably of 40 years shepherding the flock, something that he used daily. But he used this ordinary staff to do something extraordinary. Uh, remember, God's ways are extraordinary. You know, he took a, a woman's baby uh, and uh, delivers him and raises him up and becomes Moses. And later, he'll become a leader who delivers God's people. So God uses ordinary things to do extraordinary things. And not only that, this, this staff takes the form of a serpent. And serpent was a symbol of power and authority during this time, especially for the Egyptians. Uh, so you, oftentimes when we think of Pharaoh, we, there's this headdress they wear. And on top uh, is a symbol of a cobra. And that symbolizes power and authority of that individual. So when God commands you know, Moses to now grab the serpent by the tail and becomes a staff, uh, there's a sense where God is showing that his sovereign power over the, even these powerful Egyptians. Uh, so the sign of the staff turning into a serpent has several significance in that God is the one who has ultimate authority and that he is the one who uses ordinary things for extraordinary purposes. Uh, that's what we see of Moses. That's what we see of uh, many other characters in Scripture, uh, even today, even today. Another sign God shows is that he turns Moses' hands uh, from uh, flesh to being leprous, right? Uh, most people, when they look at this, they think leprosy, but it's most likely some kind of skin uh, disorder. Uh, if it was leprosy, f uh, for sure, we, we're not really sure. But there's a couple of things that scholars believe their significance to the sign. Uh, first, it shows that God has authority over disease and plagues, over sickness. Uh, there's a foreshadowing of a physical pain in the form of plagues that will come. So it's a foreshadowing. This is going to be something that happens. And thirdly, it reveals that God will take an unclean nation and make it clean. So these are some of the things that God uses uh, to show that, hey, I've appeared to Moses, listen to him. And the third sign that uh, he actually doesn't show, but he says, hey, do this, instruct this, is uh, inst uh, he instructed Moses is he turns the water from, uh, in, from the Nile into blood. So Nile River, uh, our Egypt team were able to go, it's pretty, it's pretty big. Uh, but most of civilization built along the Nile. Why? It's because it was a huge source of water and it was life for the Egyptians. Uh, and they identified it with the Egyptian god Osiris. And uh, it was accredited that through this, through Osiris, through the Nile, that good and prosperity uh, of, that will come to this nation. And the Israelites uh, would have concluded when they saw this, was that God has given power to Moses to destroy even the gods of Egypt. Again, Egypt was a nation that had many gods. Uh, the Ra, the sun god, Osiris, Nile, um, and many others. Uh, and this, uh, as we see even with the plagues, was God's statement that he is above all other gods. 
that in fact these are not gods at all. So all to say, God uses these signs to reveal His power to Moses. God reassures Moses by revealing His power and presence that will go with Him as Moses speaks to the people of Israel. And like so, uh, his worries uh, ought to be driven away by the might and power and presence of God. Uh, like so, even for you and me, we have worries, we have fears. But we also have a Heavenly Father who knows our needs, who cares for our needs, and provides for our needs. And Jesus himself tells us about this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34, um, if you can read along with me, it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life's span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. Uh, brothers and sisters, I pray uh, that you and I would grow uh, to be warriors of faith and not warriors of doubt. And even when we look at this passage, oftentimes I think worrying and boundary is, is something that we need to take consideration. Here, Jesus tells us it is the Lord who provides the very needs that we have. And oftentimes, we try to do more than we are capable of. And of course, we'll worry. If we think about maybe our CG, when we think about our family, our children, yeah, there's certain things that we can do for one another. But also, we have to understand that there's someone else that stands behind them and above them and with them. And when we start moving from our boundaries, uh, and going into what only God can do, I think sometimes that's what creates more worries. In the end, brothers and sisters, our lives are in God's hands. So, to this man who was worrying, uh, God shows his, his mighty power and love. Another excuse that we see in Moses is, is self-doubt. Self-doubt. Uh, let's read Exodus chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. Hmm, wow. Not only was Moses dealing with worries, uh, we see that he is going through self-doubt. His his inability is magnified in his thoughts and his mind. He went from, in chapter 3, verse 11, you know, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring bring the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt uh, to now disqualifying himself from the call of God because he specifically recognizes his flaw of slow speech and slow tongue. Uh, A lot of people question, you know, did Moses maybe have some kind of like speech impediment or some kind of speaking defect. Uh, When you look at the the testimony of uh, Stephen later in uh, Acts, uh, uh, Stephen mentions that Moses was very eloquent. In fact, he was a man who was brought out in great wisdom under the teaching of the uh, Egyptians. Uh, So it doesn't seem like it was a physiological issue as much as it was a psychological issue that he had. Uh, He didn't have some disability that made him unable to speak clearly. Uh, again, rather, it was more internal, like worries. Uh, his, his self-doubt was more in his heart and in his mind. Uh, I, I think maybe, a lot, not maybe, but I'm sure all of us can resonate with this. You know, when we go into a new job, all of a sudden, you, you're just conscious of everything you say and do. You know, am I dressed correctly? Am I in the right attire? You know, when someone asks, hey, can you pray in front of the congregation? Right? As you're praying, you're just noticing, right? Sweat drops, right? Um, you know, when, when we go into these uh, places that we're not familiar with or, or we're not comfortable with, we, we, we start feeling inadequate. Uh, Moses was reluctant to serve God uh, because he was too self-conscious. He thought of himself too much. Uh, and not God-conscious enough. Uh, we need a balance of both. Uh, Jesus tells us in John 15 that He is the vine and we are the branch, that apart from Him we can do nothing. So we need to be always desperate, clinging onto the Lord. Uh, and we also have to remember what even Paul says later in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And in that context, Paul's talking about being content in the Lord. Right? I'm deeply satisfied in the Lord. Right? So I'm not doing things out of, uh, because of trying to receive some kind of affirmation or, or value or anything, uh, but my, I am rest assured in the Lord. And that gives him strength. Uh, we need a balance of both. Right? Uh, our success as God's servants uh, doesn't depend upon our natural abilities as we see in the life of Moses. Uh, it, it really depends on our trust and obedience to Christ. Uh, many of us have heard, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, but He qualifies the called. God reminds Moses that He is the one who made man, right? Who it is that who's who's it that made your mouth, right? Isn't not I the Lord, right? God uh, reminds Moses and even us today uh, that it will be He that it is He that is with Moses' mouth. And that he'll be the one who teaches him what to speak and say. In other words, God has in his control not only the message, but also the messenger. How should you and I respond when we have self-doubt? When we are stuck uh, in our inadequacies? 
again, we need a balance of knowing that that's why we need the Lord. That's why I need my daily bread. That's why I need Jesus. Uh, but also, we also have power through the Spirit. We can be bold, right? Uh, God is always by my side. Another way we can uh, really uh, act is we boast in our weaknesses, brothers and sisters, like that of Paul. Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10, he speaks of boasting in his weakness. And when we look at think of Paul, we don't really think much weakness, but he specifically in this context mentions that he had a thorn in his flesh. Uh, some scholars believe maybe he had a physical uh, malady in his eyes. Uh, from other different passages. Uh, but whatever it is, Paul calls it a messenger of Satan. Right? It was a messenger of Satan who kept him uh, from being conceited. So in that context, it was actually a good thing. He says, it's there because the Lord is keeping me from being proud or arrogant. And he says that many times, three times specifically, that he's prayed to the Lord to, to take away uh, that malady, that, that, that thorn in the flesh. But this is the answer he gets from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And that is why Paul says that he will all the more gladly boast of his weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon him. Why can, why can Paul boast in his weakness? Uh, because he knows that doesn't stop God. That in fact, all the more God will receive the glory. When it comes to God's call in our lives, we have to understand that it is His call first before it is our call. What I mentioned that is, it's, it's His mission, is His desire first. In other words, it, it, the mission and purpose that you and I have is to uh, make disciples love God, love people. But we also remember it's not our church's mission or my mission. But this is God's mission, to love His people, to make followers that will follow and devote to Him. So more than what Moses cared and, and had concern for the Hebrew people, God cared much more. So likewise, brothers and sisters, we remember that salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is God's. And you and I can be rest assured in His uh, zeal and passion. So, Moses had excuses, he had worry, self-doubt, but God responds, encourages him. Uh, we would like for Moses to now, okay, Lord, I'll go. Uh, but he says, excuse number three, send someone else, send someone else. Uh, let's read the rest of Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff, with which you shall do the signs. Despite all that God shows and says to Moses, uh, Moses is quite stubborn. 
He says, God, send someone else. You know, I, I think these, this is one of those passages where uh, I, it, it really just uh, resonates in my heart. Why? Uh, because I said these at times too. When we're faced with opposition and, and difficulty, self-doubt, worries, uh, it is true. We often resort to God, which is just, maybe it's not me, just send someone else. Yet contrary to what we would think, what God does is his ang- He's angry. God is angry. And praise the Lord for God's anger. Uh, God is not angry and He just quits out on Moses or just, you know, puts him, like, uses someone else. Uh, but He's angry because Moses is forgetting He's not seeing Him, God. But He also in His mercy and grace, says, hey, I'll send you Aaron. Aaron will be your mouthpiece. He sends support. He says, take your staff. So these are some of the things that really jumped out in this passage. Uh, In our minds, you know, we think, okay, he's, you know, third strike, he's out. But God's grace is there in anger, but also in His provision of sending Aaron and even giving the staff. Uh, Brothers and sisters, in the end, uh, we understand our salvation is not something that we can generate and do. Uh, When we look at our our walk with the Lord, it is by God's grace and mercy. Because there are numerous times when we we throw in the towel, do we not? Uh, But God is the one who holds us, and He's the one who does not quit. He uses this reluctant leader uh, to later do mighty and awesome things. And so the reality is we do say, send someone else, Lord. Uh, but He also has still a purpose for us. He wants to use us and praise the Lord for His grace and mercy. So as we see these excuses, the confessions of a reluctant leader, uh, this is one of those passages that was hard to preach and think of uh, because really, I see so much of myself. And there are times where I think, God, there is definitely other better people than me. Uh, Maybe you felt that way as well. Uh, But brothers and sisters, we are in the position that we are uh, because God has us there. We may think someone else is better, uh, but God says, no, I choose to use you. And I will be the one who strengthens you and guides you. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we love and we worship. And just as we kind of conclude uh, the message today, uh, I want us to kind of take some time to really examine even our hearts. Uh, Have we given such excuses even today? Uh, Our brothers and sisters, we ought to uh, confess that, repent, um, but we turn from ourselves and looking toward the Lord who is the one who reveals himself, who empowers even this reluctant leader to do great and mighty things. Uh, So I want to invite us to take a few moments uh, to pray together. Uh, And specifically, let's pray in these three different things. Maybe there's some of us who are just uh, trapped in worry. There's so many things that bombard us. uh, It's quite hard not to be worried in the life, in, in in the times that we live in. 
but just as uh, Moses, just as uh, we see in, in Christ exhorting uh, the crowd, uh, do not be anxious. Uh, let's ask that God's peace and love, that His Word uh, will really be able to navigate us and strengthen us uh, even in this midst of worries that we may face. Uh, let's pray for those uh, and ourselves. If, are there doubts in your heart? You feel inadequate. Good. We are inadequate. Uh, but that we'll be able to really see in light of the gospel that He's the one who strengthens. He is our hope. He is the answer. He is the life. And lastly, just maybe some of us have thrown in the towel. We're exhausted. Uh, but may this message really revive us once again. Uh, so can we pray for our hearts, for one another? Uh, let's pray like that together, church. Uh, Father, we just thank you once again for your word. And Lord, as we uh, see the confessions of a reluctant leader, um, God, we uh, see a lot of us uh, in uh, Moses, this leader uh, that you've chose and that you use mightily and greatly later. Um, uh, but God, we also see the generous, merciful, the compassionate, uh, and even the God of of anger uh, behind him and beside him. And, and Lord, we uh, thank you for your words that provide strength and encouragement uh, to the lowly to lift us up. Uh, but God, we thank you for your words that provide even rebuke and discipline us to wake us up out of uh, just uh, worries and fears, Lord. And, and God, as we battle and as we live this life, in the current state, uh, Lord, we want to be people who are obedient to you. Uh, so God, we ask for your words to uh, be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Uh, help us to pe be people who not resort to our feelings, but uh, really in faith. Uh, Lord, give us faith, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray even in our respective homes that we would not uh, become idle, uh, but all the more be encouraged uh, by your presence and your power. And, and God, would you uh, really uh, awaken the church today uh, so that we would be mighty, mighty vessels of your word and a beacon of light uh, to those around us, Lord. Uh, so God, we uh, thank you uh, that your heart is close uh, even to the reluctant, uh, that you are merciful uh, and that you are always faithful, Lord. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God our Father 
and the fellowship, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Just the only